welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are going over the Twin Peaks season one soundtrack. Yeah, our (laughs) second album. (laughs) I know, and both Lynchian. (laughs) Yes, well, there's no Jane Austen albums. Well, yeah, for the movies. But... There are soundtracks, yeah. But, but this like is like from the source. They pale in comparison to the David Lynch music averse. Yeah, well, his 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 uh music verse is so <laughs> it's so like um complex. Yeah, it's got and, a lot to think about. And honestly, this album kind of uh, doing the research for it made me like mm-hmm. really kind of discover the genesis of david lynch's musical you know output over the years and uh-huh. very interesting a lot of stuff i never knew about it and hmm. also very hard to find a lot of interesting information there's like there's hmm. a, a lot of interviews with angelo badalamenti talking about laura's theme uh-huh. <laughs> and he always tells <laughs> the same story and <laughs> i'm sure we'll talk about it when we get there but like and I found a couple of articles where, like, he will break down a couple or, you know. But I just couldn't find... I was like, really expecting to find somebody out there on the internet have, like, a the Twin Peaks soundtrack and go song mm-hmm. by song and just talk about all the songs and, like, what is all the information? I was really shocked that, that that's a hole that's missing. In the, oh, maybe I yeah. just couldn't find it, but I looked pretty hard. I, yeah, I'm <laughs> shocked by that, too, because it seems like such an influential soundtrack. Yeah. Not just, obviously, on Twin Peaks, but, like on a lot of Lynchian stuff and Mm -hmm. music in general. So that's interesting that there's not that like easily accessible stuff as you would think. Yeah. I already want to like get into the most interesting thing I found, but (laughs) (laughs) I should save it for later on. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Does it like tie into anything? Well, should we do it? Let's do a first impressions. Okay. Do you, I mean, is this the first time you've listened to the album, like all the way through as an album? I would say yes. Um, Obviously, you know, heard the stuff on the show and um, I've heard some Julie Cruz songs, but this is like the first time where I sat down and I was like, from, you know, head to toe, I'm going to listen to every single song. And I just, I do love the the vibe of the music that, wait, no, that's not what I was trying to say. The vibe that the music gives to Twin Peaks, it kind of amps up this like mystery supernatural noir kind of mm-hmm. hopelessness in a way yeah it just has a very specific tone that really kind of makes it sets the show apart from other shows i think yeah definitely definitely it's so when i was well i will say i have listened to this album it's probably one of the only things i did Twin Peaks wise between when the series first came out and when I Mm -hmm. watched it on VHS, I did listen to the album a lot. Okay. And I pretty much, I'm a weird person who doesn't really listen to music a lot, but when I do listen (laughs) to music, it's usually soundtracks (laughs) because it's usually when I'm doing something else and I don't want to be too distracted, you know, Mm -hmm. or I just like music to set a mood more than like, you know, something. Sometimes I, when I was used to sing a lot more, I would, you know, listen to songs that I could sing along with. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I just, I've never been one to like really switch on music. Anyway, that all said, Twin Peaks soundtrack has probably been one of my most listened to albums mm-hmm. throughout my whole life. And I was today going, 
is the Twin Peaks theme maybe the song I've heard the most in my life? <laughs> <laughs> I do wish we had like personal Spotify stats where it's like yeah. most listened to song. <laughs> Be very Especially if you count listening to it in the show. You know, exactly. Like, whenever we watch the show. <laughs> it's like at the very least like 20 something times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least, because there's 20 episodes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And then also this time when I was listening to it, I felt like I was listening to it like you would listen to, um, uh, what is is it, Peter and the Wolf, the like Tchaikovsky symphony Mm -hmm. where every instrument is a different creature. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's not, I mean, I know it's not, you know, each instrument isn't a different person, but I was listening to it as if it was. <laughs> <laughs> it does it kind of have that kind of vibe to it where it's like yeah. personification. Yeah. And I was, I had to drive across town for a job last night. And so I was listening to it in the car at night and it felt like <laughs> so perfectly David Lynch. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> and definitely it's something I haven't done in a long time. So it was, it was fun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I it's, was breaking it down though yeah well it's like and this is something I wrote in my notes for a lot of the uh, for some of the um tracks but like it's very good night music because most of the big things that happen in Two Peaks happen at night so yeah. <laughs> nighttime is such a pivotal <laughs> a pivotal moment for the show and yes. the soundtrack just always fits perfectly because most of it happens at night well half the songs are called into the woods at night or something you right. know, like, <laughs> it's like letting you know nighttime music <laughs> i did have a little bit of something i found some stuff about angelo badalamenti just a short little notes if you want sure he went to eastman school of music for and he majored in the french horn i believe oh and after he graduated he taught music and english (laughs) for five years (laughs) while writing pop songs oh and i think his first success as a songwriter was for nina simone oh wow he wrote several songs for her but i think he just kind of was like hey you want to sing this song i wrote and he like sang it for her and she was like yeah <laughs> so uh, that's cool i wonder what nina Muslin, nina simone tracks that's cool i know i didn't actually write down the names of the songs i should have but yeah i feel like that's how all so- um singers used to get their songs somebody would show up backstage yes. and be like da, 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 da. they're like <laughs> sold <laughs> what do you think <laughs> <laughs> Okay, then he got a job as a full-time songwriter for $50 a week. And eventually, as we learned during Blue Velvet, he got involved with David Lynch because they needed a vocal coach for Isabella Rossellini. Mm. And he was actually in Blue Velvet. He was the piano player. Oh, right. When she was playing. Okay, that's just a short little history. He has a Grammy for this soundtrack, or for the mm-hmm. Twin Peaks theme, actually. Best Pop Instrumental Performance, mm-hmm. and that was in 1990. He also got a Lifetime Achievement Award from the World Soundtrack Awards. Oh. <laughs> I was just thinking of all the great soundtracks I've heard. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love soundtracks. 
And he also got the Henry Mancini Award from the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. Wow. He's been described as spare and minimalist and very slow and restrained. I was reading something that said one of his like studio musicians was like, you have speed slow and backwards. (laughs) 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 He's got lots of dissonance and okay. Yeah, that's all I have. (laughs) That's cool. Okay, so I figured we just go through the album. Yeah, that's how I wrote my notes. Starting with the Twin Peaks theme. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a few factoids, and then we can just talk about our feelings about it. Okay. So something I know, I guess I knew this in the back of my head, but I never really thought about it. Because <laughs> I was mm-hmm. listening to the soundtrack, and I was going, are there several repeats of songs on here? <laughs> and <laughs> this is actually an instrumental version of the last song, Falling. Yes. And actually, that song is kind of the genesis of this album to begin with because David Lynch and Angelo Badalamenti in 1989, before Twin Peaks, produced Julie Cruz's album, Floating Into the Night, um, that he also got a Grammy for that. Oh, yeah. I'll just start with this. I put it at the very end, but we'll start with my favorite Okay. Okay. So actually, this album, I was looking at it, listening to it today, Julie Cruz's album. It has several songs from Twin Peaks. Falling, Rock Back Inside My Heart, which is not on this album, but Mm -hmm. is used in the show. Into the Night, The Nightingale, and The World Spins, which I think is on another soundtrack as well. Hmm. Anyway, so they wrote that album first, and then... It was just happened to be like happenstance that Angelo had recorded the um, just the instrumental without the vocals mm-hmm. of the song. And David Lynch was like, hey, um, I think this is what we're going to use. Because that was one of the first things he did in the editing was to put the title sequence together. Ah. And... Anyway, I just thought that was so interesting. I was like, yeah. so the Twin Peaks theme was actually written for Julie Cruz. And it's just the instrumental version. And I was like, how did I never... It was I mean, accidental. I don't know how I <laughs> never realized that that was the same song. I think I did realize it because like, the words kind of go in my head when the Twin Peaks mm-hmm. theme is going. But <laughs> I'm always too busy being like, Twin Peaks. Right. (laughs) That's what I always do. (laughs) That's so cool, though. Yeah, I was um, listening to a Julie Cruz interview where she talked about recording with David Lynch and how she's like, he won't, like, give you, like, singer notes in a way. Like, he won't (laughs) tell you, like, oh, do it in this key, blah, blah, blah. He'll just, like, describe it to you, like, in shapes. (laughs) And so she was saying how, like, there's this like the saxophone player on one of the songs and he was like, you know, like a bunch of plastic coming out and the guy just <laughs> sort of like he, the guy understood and played it. And that's exactly what David wanted. <laughs> so I thought that was so cool that it was like, Oh, he's kind of giving these notes and it, it's almost like in the language of music, <laughs> but it's like, it makes, if you like connect with someone, like it makes sense. So yeah, I totally, totally. get it, but it's, and like, it's so like a cool. artistic you know, way of mm-hmm. looking at stuff, which is really cool about David Lynch because, yeah, you know, 
he's an artist first and that always colors you know visual artists i should say right but it's like the um, those people i don't remember what it's called but like when you associate music with colors or something is it like Stethesthesia or something like that? Sen- yes, synesthesia. 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 Something like that. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> that was really cool. Okay, well, um, yeah, I think I already said everything I wrote about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just wrote down like, oh, it's a classic. And I feel like it's one of those songs like those theme songs that, like you hear like the first note or two and you're like I know exactly what song <laughs> like if you're playing trivia yeah. like you'll know the song yeah, yeah, if you know yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I think I have some more interesting stuff under falling as well but we'll get to that okay yeah I just I can't listen to this song without going without singing Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. <laughs> Twin, Peaks. Twin Peaks Twin Peaks Okay, so Laura Palmer's theme. Mm-hmm. Probably the one that I know right off the bat the most because it ends yeah. every, almost every episode. Yeah. And it is, it's probably the one that you can get the most information about because it's the mm-hmm. one that is used most often in interviews mm-hmm. where I think there's even like maybe some clips of it in David lynch's like archives i I should look at the a to z box set and see if there's um well it's too late at this point but there's probably i definitely (laughs) have seen a special feature where they're both sitting at a piano like recreating Mm -hmm. this moment and basically it was like david lynch sitting next to him and being like okay we're going through a dark wood and there's (laughs) a breeze blowing and it's ominous and then a young, beautiful, sad girl we see. And then, so Angelo Badalamenti is like playing along as he is describing mm. this. And then he's like, That's cool. Yes. And then it builds and builds and builds. And then he, after he wrote it, he was like, Okay, don't change a thing. I want it exactly like that. And so he had to be like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and he said he never changed it. This that's is cool. just like, that's how they wrote it the first time. Such an artistic, art schooly kind of way. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and this one was very peter and the wolfie to me because of the way oh I yeah think, because i know the whole story of how it was made Composed. and it was like a, you know it's a story and oh yeah hearing the story so yeah <laughs> yeah it's like not, like even though it has no lyrics it's like not just because it's just because it has no lyrics doesn't mean that it's like mood music. It has like a story weaved into it that unless you read the interview or watch whatever you don't know about. Yeah. And that's what's kind of really cool about it. And I, what I wrote down for like the feeling that it gives me is like it kind of shifts from like it starts off with like this really dark quality. And then it kind of shifts all the way up to like this like really tragic kind of feeling. Yeah. And then it shifts back to dark. And that's kind of like, obviously, what embodies Laura is like the shift between dark and tragic times of her life. A hundred percent. I said it was very evocative and definitely mm-hmm. conjures images of Laura Palmer without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Actually, that prom picture. Yeah, definitely.
Okay, so next is Audrey's Dance. And it's I love it. One of the most <laughs> iconic pieces from the album. It has its own Wikipedia entry, which oh. I think only one other one does. And Angelo Badalamenti was saying that he got involved in this song. Well, he had been, you know, um, experimenting with suspensions. And so uh-huh. he was using that in this. And there's like very dissonant notes that work in chords that rub up against the melody and create tension. Mm-hmm. And David Lynch had told him he wanted the song to be slightly dreamy, but slightly upbeat. Okay. A little bit like Audrey. Uh, yeah, like a creepy, <laughs> creepy beautiful. <laughs> and, which is, I guess, uh, definitely Audrey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, he used a vibraphone. And he... Uh, oh, so they, he had recorded it. I think this is the one. And then he added a lot of abstract things like clarinets and the snapping when they recorded it yeah Mm, yeah i really love this song this (laughs) might be my favorite on the album not only because i love audrey so much but just because it has this like mysterious quality about it and which i think is such an embodiment of audrey when especially when you first meet her because we don't definitely she kind of gives off this laura quality where you're like who is this person i want to know more about this person she kind of pulls Mm -hmm. you in and she does that with like Coop and everything. And you don't really get to know about her until like the end, really. Yeah. I feel like this song and Audrey, the character, are kind of like the embodiment of the show Twin Peaks in that yeah. it's like off, slightly off kilter, but still feels very cool. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. That is her and the show and the song. <laughs> they all Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> So then we have The Nightingale, which is also off of Julie Cruz's 1989 album, right. Floating Into Night. What did I say it was? Oh, it is Floating Into Night. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. This song is actually, she performs it, I believe, in the first episode when mm-hmm. the Roadhouse, when they're having the big fight, I think. Oh, okay. I knew I were... When I heard it, I was like, I feel like I know that this was definitely performed this the first season in the Roadhouse, but I can't remember what point of the story, but that makes sense. It's like a a very dreamy love song. When Ed gets and, knocked out and yeah. Right. It makes me think of James and Donna <laughs> because it's like Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's very, you know, their kind of music in the sense well, of I'm- you know. I'm 100% sure that it was written by David Lynch because I'm. it's off her mm. album and he wrote, I think, all the songs. Yeah, yeah, I think she said that. I was looking at the lyrics and I was like... It's very like Lynch. Is this about like, is the nightingale the... I don't know. I thought I wrote something down, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, it kind of reminded me of the song Meadowlark. Oh, um, yeah. But... <laughs> I know that song. I love that song. It yeah. always gets stuck I in mean, my head the when melody, I hear it. But kind of like the bird the visual were like making yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah definitely i i do like the song though and uh i do I, like i was listening to especially with the julie cruz songs like it makes me immediately think of like modern musicians that kind of embody that sort of julie cruz aesthetic 
like um, uh-huh. Beach House and Chromatics and um, mm-hmm. oh, there was one more I had in my head, but I can't remember. <laughs> it's like when you listen to their music and then listen to Julie Cruz, you're like, I think they were fans of Julie Cruz because it sounds so <laughs> like like they embodied her. Totally. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Actually, I think the Chromatics are on the season three album. They like, are. They have album. a song. I think it's called oh, okay. The Shadow. <laughs> oh, so you're familiar with the season yeah. three <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to get to all of them eventually. I really yes. like the season two album. It's very kooky. Just like the season. <laughs> yep. Yeah, she really sets like an ethereal tone. And mm-hmm. she's so she's so synonymous with Lynch, you know, like Yeah. You, you can't think of one without the other. Oh yeah. Okay, next is Freshly Squeezed, which was really hard to find information about. It's the first time Cooper sees Audrey, I believe. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it is like Audrey's dance. It, ha- it is composed around a distinctive walking bass line with a note on each beat. Okay. So I guess it was maybe the walking bass line is part of Audrey's you know, motif. Uh, probably. I don't know if, if there is an Audrey's motif, but maybe he was thinking of her when he did base the walking bass lines. Yeah. I um I wrote down that I always associate this with Bobby. I don't know why, but <laughs> when I heard the song, I immediately thought of Bobby because it has this like almost like troublemaker vibe to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is like the epitome of that in the show. And then I always think of like freshly squeezed. I was like, oh Bobby at the diner with a double R. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this song, it kind of feels like you're waiting for something to happen. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of anticipation to it. And I don't know. It's just, it's one of my favorites actually, because it has like, like a really, one. yeah. But there's no information about it. Walking bass line. It's a good one though. We heard a but lot. We so. can, yeah. I like that one a lot. I felt like at least this time listening to it, I was really enjoying all the kind of offbeat ones that you don't really Mm -hmm. think about that much. Oh, yeah. Like, for instance, the Bookhouse Boys. No, I did find information about this one because I I was just going to say because I because I (laughs) (laughs) I lost my train of thought. Because I was reading an article Um, by Angelo Bad Elementi who was Mm -hmm. that was going over a few of the songs and he 
talked about this one. Mm, okay. Which was really interesting because he said that this was a musical montage of the album. So like you're weaving radically contrasting motifs, sounds mm-hmm. and themes. I basically just wrote down a really long quote from him. And he says, I think this track covers a lot of the show and its marriage of music. When I listen to that track, mm. it encompasses so much. One theme goes into another. There are different sounds, different harmonies, different melodies, but it's so Twin Peaks. It has its mm-hmm. own identity. It starts with the dance of the dream man. And he, I introduced Laura Palmer's theme near the end. It's a weird ride. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I wrote down that it's a, it, it's like a little chaotic and yeah. that it definitely like you could hear the undertone of freshly squeezed in it. And uh, I like that because I got from freshly squeezed, like a very troublemaker kind of vibe. And that's like perfect for the bookhouse voice because it's like, you know, like they're getting into trouble, but like for the yeah. opposite reason. Yeah. It definitely, I feel like it, for me, at least it works better in the show just because the chaoticness of it, the show has like the ability to like distract you from the chaoticness and it kind of fits perfectly. Uh-huh. But you know, still a good one. Yeah. I thought it's so like crazily unpredictable and mm-hmm. it really kind of feels like the definition of jazz. This song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually really liked it or like it. It's, I feel like it is kind of like the Bookhouse boys, like you were saying, because it's like, you can kind of feel in the background, like this kind of steady lawful mm-hmm. beat but but it's also like way off the lawful path <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's like <laughs> if, if you're gonna do lawful chaotic in our dnd <laughs> there's like a, a like a a lawful strain going on in the background but the chaotic is really taking over the song <laughs> oh yeah yeah i love that <laughs> lynchian overture <laughs> <laughs> i love that overture <laughs> Okay, so then Into the Night, this is another one that Lynch wrote the lyrics for. I believe it's also off of Julie Cruz's album. Mm-hmm. And it's basically about looking for a lost love in the night. I think that's why I was getting confused with my Nightingale because very, I mean, David Lynch only writes what kind of song. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're either, a, they're like a heartbreaking love song always. <laughs> <laughs> it's his favorite. Yeah. I didn't find a lot of information, but Luco de Paoli, I'm not really sure he's Italian. I don't know how to pronounce it, but he's a very nice member of the Twin Peaks community and he's Mm -hmm. from Italy. And he recently released a tribute album called Into the Night. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I was trying to actually download it, but yeah, it says to buy it in euros. And I think that freaked me out. And so I should try. (laughs) (laughs) You should. You should. I think the euro is pretty on par with the dollar last time I checked, which was pretty recent. So should be the same. <laughs> oh, good. So what did you think of this one? I liked this one. 
I, I wrote down that it sounds like Beach House because, and then after I listened to the album, I just went and listened to Beach House because I was like, it sounds like Beach House. Because <laughs> it has this like very ethereal quality to like the instrumentals, but also the voice. Uh-huh. They have, they use like a very similar effect, I would say. They just, she has like a little bit of a deeper voice than Julie Cruz, but I just, I like this one. She has this like dreamlike quality to her voice and it's yeah. really transportative and it, feel like it really affects your mood like it really is good about like evening you out and kind of like calming down anything sort of erratic yeah i feel like for one thing this song reminds me the most of crazy clown time yes <laughs> just the, the lyrics and everything but in the middle of it, it has this kind of weird bomb 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 which kind of <laughs> reminds me of that beatles song a day in the life it's just like this unexpected mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah. And I feel like as soon as the song starts, I start anticipating this random bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I don't know. Nightlife in Twin Peaks. Ooh. Very <laughs> the creepy. only information I could find was from Beats Per Minute website. And it said <laughs> the tempo was 124 beats per minute. Ooh. And it was, quote unquote, a very sad song. <laughs> <laughs> this one was very creepy to me. I wrote that it was unnerving. And like in the beginning, there's like this sort of sound that sounds like screaming almost. But it's like, it's very yeah. produced. So it's like, very clearly not screaming, but it has like that same buildup that screaming does. Totally. And it just like the name Nightlife in Twin Peaks, I think it fits perfectly with that like kind of creepiness because if you, you know, most of the, if not all the bad things in the show happen at night. So it's yeah. like, it's got to embody this like <laughs> evil existence. Yeah, uh, I uh, totally agree. I said it was the most foreboding song and mm-hmm. It kind of literally sounds like you're walking through the woods at night because you know mm-hmm. how like some animals scream it and does. it sounds like, and so it kept feeling like, you know, like a screech owl and like a train far away. And mm-hmm. then like the red room sounds kind of creep in there. And <laughs> so I feel scary. like it's the, the most evocative of all of the songs. And definitely, it's a really good, it's a great soundtrack song. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it's a good, um, it's a good mood setter for any of the kind of Bob episodes or anything to do with the Black Watch. Totally. But all I could find about it was it had a tempo of heart. (laughs) (laughs) And a very sad song. Then we have the dance of the dream man and 
Okay, so David Lynch wanted something more rhythmic for this one, so they just started with the finger snaps. And then Bad uh, Bad Alamente was recording with Al Regni, a saxophone player who uh-huh. he had gone to college with. And he told him that he had to record a very jazzy, bluesy feel and then played him like the six or seven bars of the opening that he, like motif lines that he had already written. And then he just started improvising and just went with it. And when David heard it, he really loved it. Mm. And also, I was reading that Angelo, I was going to say Angelo because it's easier. He used a technique to record all of the instruments separately, even though they're all played at the same time. Mm, okay. And then he could go in and use those tracks when he's scoring other parts and other uh-huh. scenes. Like when another director needed something, he'd be like, oh, try this. It's like this, but a little bit different. Like he could put two different things oh. together and change the tracks separately. So That's cool. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the song that plays in the Black Lodge when the man is dancing? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. And I know it's called Dance of the Dream Man, but I just wanted to make sure before I assumed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it also has, I think, a little bit of the undertones of Freshly Squeezed in it. Like it has a very similar feel to it. Yeah. Which I liked because, you know, the Black Lodge is full of quote unquote troublemakers, if you want to say that. But I also liked how. I think it sped up maybe, or it was a little bit, I can't remember if it was sped up or slower than freshly squeezed that for like, it's like samples it, but then speeds it up, I think. And I wrote that it kind of gives the feeling that time works differently in the lodge. Like it moves faster Mm. and that's kind of what we get from the show. And so the music itself is very evocative of like, things are really moving in here and you have to be in your toes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I just um, said, I just, I just picture him snapping. Mm-hmm. No, I pictured the, the man from another place dancing over the credits and evil yes. Coop snapping when yes. I listened to it. <laughs> yeah. I could, I pictured him dancing too when I heard it. I was like, I swear, this is what the, <laughs> this is where yeah. it comes in. <laughs> yeah, I think it must come in at the very end when, like the last scene when Cooper, I think he, doesn't he snap a couple times right at the end? I think so. Because that's just what I picked in my head. I don't, <laughs> I don't know for sure. <laughs> but I Okay, so then we have the love theme mm-hmm. from Twin Peaks, which I was looking, I was, because, okay, I was kept thinking, is this the same? And then I was looking it up and it kept saying that it was Laura Palmer's theme. Mm. And so then I was listening to it and I was like, it is Laura Palmer's theme, but it's different. Mm-hmm. And so I was mm-hmm. going back and forth and it is different, which I think is so appropriate that it's the love theme for Twin Peaks is Laura Palmer's theme, but it's not as chaotic as Laura Palmer's theme, you know? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because there are, there are some, like, love stories that are stable, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Twin Peaks that not, you know, very unlike the unstable life of Laura. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the uh, Laura Palmer's theme is like an organ, Mm. and this one is just a flute playing the melody. Oh, okay. 
And, you know, I don't know. It's just so complicated because, like, everybody loved Laura and Laura loved so many different people. But in both mm-hmm. instances, the love wasn't exactly healthy and right. maybe a little obsessive. But I don't know. It just, I feel like it works really well for it to be. It does. Both. <laughs> It does, because I also, what I took away from its sample, like a being a kind of a rewrite of Laura's theme was that it seems like everyone's love connections, their love story is somehow related to Laura. It's almost like six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever it's called. Yeah, <laughs> it's <Laura> like <laughs> she is somehow involved in some way in everyone's love story. If you think about it, James and yeah. Donna, Bobby and... Oh, Bobby and Shelly. Shelly. <laughs> oh my God. Bobby and Shelly. <laughs> I feel like she's in some way, whether it's like direct or indirect, she's somehow involved in almost all the love stories. Yeah. You know, talking about this album and all these love songs that David Lynch writes, I he really loves bittersweet love story. That's like mm-hmm. all of his stuff. <laughs> Everything it is. He writes, bittersweet <laughs> love story. Okay. Oh, also, I was going to say, for some reason, I can imagine Wyndham Earl playing this. Mm. I don't know if he does. Maybe he does. But I can just oh. imagine him playing this on his flute in the mm. woods. I can't really remember. Oh, yeah. Plays, but... Oh, yeah. For very I different reasons. I was really reasons. thinking somebody <laughs> would have written down, like, every time this song is used. And, you know, like, there would be some master database. But that's huh. not. That's weird. I also wrote down that it's so, like, apropos that you said... Uh, Wyndham Earl because I also wrote that it kind of gives this feeling of the more you listen to it like a feeling of dread almost Uh huh. and you know I feel like a lot of the love stories in some way are also kind of soaked with that feeling of dread where it's like you know by the end of season two even we have Norma and Ed and then Nadine waking up and it's like it's not a perfect love story it's not going to work out perfectly and um, totally that's like where the Wyndham Earl comes in I feel like yeah definitely Okay, and finally, we have Falling, Mm -hmm. which I did already talk a little bit about. When they were writing the song, David wrote just the word falling, and Angelo (laughs) was like, very helpful, David. (laughs) (laughs) Just one word. (laughs) This song was recorded a year before Twin Peaks, and Mm -hmm. yeah, David just decided on his own in an early decision to put this on the main titles and yeah he said this is the title this is the identity of twin peaks and angelo bad elementi said it was a dream come true (laughs) it's yeah i mean it's like quintessential david falling in love all about love stories and i I wrote it seems like a lot of like everyone's always falling in love at some point of the show (laughs) with either the same person or different people and Maybe falling in love can make you feel like you're 
actually falling because it's scary and Mm -hmm. it has like all those themes working through it yeah because it's like it's all about like obviously been hurt in the past because like don't let yourself get hurt this time or whatever right don't let yourself be hurt this time and uh but then then i saw your face and fell in love (laughs) like (laughs) right (laughs) well and your smile (laughs) okay but here's an interesting fact i learned Mm. the opening notes i don't don't know if this is specifically about the opening theme or falling because they're both pretty much the same but the Mm -hmm. opening notes have a distinct sound and guys from the music industry were like calling and being like what how did you make that sound we've never heard that sound before Mm. and they were they kept it a secret for a really long time but later they did reveal that it was a Dwayne eddy special sample combination of a sound and a synthesizer i don't know what a Dwayne eddy special is me neither (laughs) Dwayne eddy special sample combination of a sound and a synthesizer played an octave lower than it really was and then hmm. doubled with another very low guitar sound huh. so interesting very complicated note <laughs> couple yeah. of notes boom 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 boom, boom. <laughs> but they kept it a secret because they didn't want anyone else to use it <laughs> this song i kept feeling like and with the, the lyrics and everything, I was like, I could see Dorothy Valens singing this song in Blue Velvet to mm-hmm. Jeffrey. Oh, <laughs> yeah. This definitely felt like a Blue Velvet sister track, I guess you could say. Like a very like a companion piece for Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. Totally. I did have a little bit more about the album Floating Into the Night by Julie Cruz. Uh-huh. Songs for the album were also used in Blue Velvet and Industrial Symphony Number no. 1, which we have got to do Ooh. sometime. But when Julie Cruz first played it for her family, they thought it was super boring Muzak sounds and or they just hated <laughs> it outright. <laughs> they don't also, understand. I know. It's just so funny because what was going on at 89, 90? It was like uh, right before grunge, but it was like yeah. MC Hammer, Billy <laughs> Vanilli, like, Ice like, Ice Baby. <laughs> kind of like a poppy hip hop a little bit. Yeah. Also, they wrote 40 songs for the album with only Whoa. 10 of them making it in. That's crazy. But definitely recommend that album too, because it's very Twin Peaks. <laughs> the oh, whole thing, yeah. even the songs that aren't actually in Twin Peaks, which is like half of them sound very Twin Peaks because it's written yeah. by David Lynch. Actually, maybe we should cover it one day, although I think we just covered half of it, so. <laughs> <laughs> a mini-sode or something. We should have yeah. done it today because we still have time left. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Well, I mean, it is but really... I didn't listen to it enough. Yeah, me neither. But it is, I mean, it's, you know, 
it can't get more Twin Peaks than David Lynch working with Julie Cruz. Yeah, and Angelo about Elementi. The three of them exactly. are, I don't know, the, they're just... The, the triad peak. <laughs> I mean, Angelo about Elementi, I believe, has basically done music for every single Lynch thing. Yeah, it I seems think. like it. I think so. I was looking at the list and I was like, I mean, sometimes David Lynch would collaborate with other people as well, but like... I he was always like involved. Angela was always involved. Definitely. And I was looking at his IMDb as well, and he's done some of um, some stuff I really enjoy. Like he did the City of Lost Children, which oh, is okay. a French movie that I've talked about a million times, but I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's been a long time since I've seen it, but maybe I should watch it this year. That and Delicatessen. It's by the same person who did Amelie. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. You should watch that. Except very dark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is not really that dark. (laughs) No, but it's got a lot of the same like weird directorial flourishes. (laughs) Mm, I like that. That sounds really cool. like i was afraid we weren't gonna get to all of the stuff i learned about it so i was flying through it and now we're done super early (laughs) (laughs) should we do a final thoughts can we sort something about this album (laughs) sure we could oh uh i kind of already said my favorite was audrey's dance but do you have a favorite standout track that you like yeah my favorite is nightlife and twin peaks i think (sighs) it's a scary one just because it's so I just, it's so the most Peter and the Wolf (laughs) song Mm -hmm. to me. And I also really liked Freshly Squeezed. And I really liked the Bookhouse Boys. I was really into like the B-side tracks on this (laughs) listen. (laughs) Yeah, I I would say my top three were Audrey Stance. I do also like Nightlife in Twin Peaks, even though it's very scary. And hmm, I also liked the love theme. Because it has, like, I really like Laura's theme a lot, but this one, it had, like, Laura's theme and then Sun, it felt like. So it kind of gave you a little extra. Yeah. And I feel bad I didn't pick any of the Julie Cruz songs, but I thought Mm -hmm. that the whole learning about the whole, how, really, Twin Peaks is, I mean, she's partially responsible for Twin Peaks. Yeah, definitely. And the sound of Twin Peaks is really, like, a defining and great feature of it. So, like, you know, yeah. I agree. Very cool. I really like learning all this stuff. Me too. (laughs) If we were going to sort it in like a chaotic lawful, I already think it's like kind of (laughs) both. It's got a lot of the chaotic, but then it's got the lawful. Like I was saying for the Bookhouse Boys, it was very. Yeah. I would say like. It's not neutral though. It's both chaotic and lawful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there are like a couple little like I would I would call them like bad seeds. Like I feel like nightlife in TP also has like a very chaotic evil vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. and then there's something a little bit sinister about Dance of the Dream Man and Love Theme. Mm-hmm. But overall, it kind of has that kind of chaotic, but also somewhat lawful, maybe in between lawful and neutral vibe because it has like it like shapes. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt Maybe about there's, chaotic. there's not lawful. It's definitely like, in the chaos. Yeah, that's 100% sure. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Maybe I'm just too much thinking about law aspect of the show. Of the book house boys. <laughs> yeah. I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Me too. It's good mute. It's good. Um, like you said, if you have something to do, but you like want music on, on in the background, but something that won't be a little like too distracting, it's very good mood music. Like just kind of put it in the mm-hmm. background. You can take this, the Firewalk With Me soundtrack, the Twin Peaks season two soundtrack, the Twin Peaks season three soundtrack, and like, what is it called? Like a studio album? I don't know. When you have the mm. songs. Mm-hmm. Not the soundtrack, but the like the music from. Oh yeah, season yeah. Season three. Mm-hmm. Then you can like have yourself a really good randomized playlist. That's all oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and it gives you that Twin Peaks vibe, that very kind of creepy, sinister, but kind of mysteriousness. Yeah. Now there's another thing that I've recently found out about called the Twin Peaks Archive, which uh-huh. was released. I don't know when. Maybe I missed <laughs> along the way, but. I don't know if it was digital downloads or how they did it exactly, but you could, and it's online kind of. YouTube has it, I think. Uh-huh. I got sent the part one of it, which is five hours long, but it's oh. like all the music. All, oh, all, wow. All, all, all. <laughs> That's cool. So I'm sure it's awesome. If I could get my hands on it, I would love to. Yeah. Just like a, a sh- own shuffle. I don't know if it's a physical thing though. Hmm. They, sh- I wonder if they, they, sh- they may want to maybe like the like a limited release, but like if it's five hours long, you'd need a. That was part one. Oh, never mind. <laughs> There's no way. It needs to be a box set. <laughs> they're gonna need a, <laughs> a couple records if they're gonna <laughs> want to. Well, I mean, I would buy the download if I could just you know mm-hmm. upload it to iTunes or whatever. That's true. It should be. I'm but... mess- I don't know. This, they like to do limited releases for things. Yeah. Should we do a recommendation? <laughs> <laughs> sure. You want me to go first or you want to go first? You go ahead and go first. Okay. Well, since we, I talk so much about Beach House, I feel like I should recommend Beach House. But specifically, see, I'm, I'm not, I've not been uh, like a long-term Beach House fan because I didn't really come into them until like 2016. Mm-hmm. But they've been around for a long time. They have a lot of albums out, but I want to say like overall my favorite album, and I don't know if it's like lame to say, cause it's more recent, but it's their album seven. Um, it was released in 2018. And I think my all-time favorite Beach House track, Pay No Mind is on it. Hmm. I just love this album. It's very like, it's got a very, um like a darker quality to it. Like very night life Moody, very uh, Julie Cruz esque. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you want more of that vibe, I would say listen to Beach House, but specifically their album. Um, just just the number seven. Oh, okay. I think I've listened to Beach House before. Yeah. I mean, you know, of my own volition, not just in the atmosphere. Yeah, they um they've been around for a long time, and they are they're very good at their type of music. Whenever they release an album, it's very you know, very popular and they just released one this year and they released it in four parts. So they would release four singles like one week and then the next week, four more singles and the next week, four more singles. I think there's 16 tracks total. And that one was very good too. It's just, a, it's a little bit different than their older stuff, I think. Mm. But it was good. I was just thinking, did we even do final thoughts? 
but it's too late now. Kind of okay. <laughs> In conversation. What about um, your recommendation? I recently read a book called mm -hmm. A Natural History of Dragons Ooh. by Marie Brennan. Mm -hmm. And it was really good. It was written like a memoir. Uh -huh. And I think it's actually a whole series, but it's just telling like one story of this woman who's like a well-respected dragonologist or something and it but it's like very oh. victorian so like you know she mm -hmm. had to fight sexism and i think it's maybe on another planet because every once in a while <laughs> a term or two will be different and like the names mm. of places are different and so i'm like a parallel universe something i don't know but oh um, yeah that's cool it's very it was very cool and really well told and i liked it at first i thought mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I got it, obviously, and read it. So I, I obviously knew I would kind of like it. But I was kind of not sure if I would listen to it because, you know, first, because, I don't know, something about the description. And I was like, mm -hmm. that sounds kind of boring. But it was not boring. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really cool. And I like I like that it's kind of written this, like, memoir style because it almost, yeah. like, cements the reality of it Definitely. even more so. So that's really cool. I love that. Because she's, like, talking to her readers, like, y'all will know because – you're reading this because you know me and I'm an old woman now who's like done everything. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. A story, a history of dragons, right? A natural history of dragons. Natural history of dragons. That's cool. I'll By Marie Brennan. I'll check that out. That sounds awesome. You should. And there's a whole series. So maybe mm, I'll read some Even more. better. <laughs> I yeah. love there's a whole series. And you could just be yeah, like, I'm just going to continue. She was talking about, you know, she would throw in little tidbits about the future. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I want to know what happens. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, that was great. That was it fun. It was. It was. It was a fun episode. I feel like we even got to cool, like talk more about Twin Peaks in a more like, in more of a sense of how it feels to watch it rather than talking about like what we actually see on the screen, which is really cool. Um, yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Definitely. And I don't know why I took another bite of cracker. I'm just sabotaging <laughs> myself. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say next week we are starting our Halloween <laughs> thing. And we're going to be doing Death Comes to Pemberley, oh, which isn't really God. spooky, but it is a murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a little, it could probably be as spooky as Jane Austen gets. <laughs> this is two years in a row that we chose Jane Austen for Halloween. And, but you know what? We're going to do David Lynch for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Switching the game. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Very exciting. Yeah. So we'll see. Talk. Yep. Well, we have an outro. So yep. <laughs> thank you <Bye>. very much. <laughs> if you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersandmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one minute voicemail on our website at mannersandmadness.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you prefer. We also have a donate button on our website, mannersandmadness.com. Yes. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Good night. Bye. Bye.